right, what's up, guys? Welcome to a new uh, episode of Gold Belts and Glory. I'm your host, Mike Auger. Uh, joining me is world-renowned author and artist, Brian Taylor. What's up? Go to, um, what, Kindle or Amazon or whatever to download Which? his book. But we got to get the plugs in, brother. Well, the plug is very simple here. I'll lean over and grab it. It's called Constant Gray. And it is a novel that I wrote. I'm working on the second one. God knows it's taking me forever, but I am working on it. Uh, it's on Audible. It's on Kindle. You can order it at Barnes Noble, Walmart, whatever. Yeah, They can get it. It's there. I'm the author, Ryan Taylor. Yes, sir. <laughs> So uh, we're going to be talking about AEW's Double or Nothing, a um, little bit different atmosphere. Last year, I attended the first one live, which was the first show AEW ran. Um, this year, uh, with the pandemic going on and things like that, obviously a little bit of a different atmosphere. Um, you know, I think one thing that AEW has done that the WWE has not done with their live shows, because I, I watched WrestleMania um, they had nobody in the crowd for WrestleMania. And I think putting the employees of AEW or like, not just employees, but some of the wrestlers to kind of add an atmosphere surrounding it is not, it makes, the difference is night and day. Yeah. Any kind of pop is going to make a huge difference. You have somebody come in, somebody do something spectacular. You want people to yell at him. You want people to boo him, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, just to, on that point, whenever you watch Dark and stuff, Spears is always out there with the bricks and stuff, you know, being a clown. And it, it definitely helps because when it's just dead silent, it can really be a buzzkill. Absolutely, dude. Um, Before we start breaking down the matches, what were your overall thoughts of the pay-per-view? I, I thought it was fantastic. You know, I watched it with my family and, um, you know, my wife and I've got five daughters. We were all just in there screaming at the top of our lungs, having a good time. Uh, we had the only match that I really didn't get a chance to watch as much of as I wanted to. I saw every other one. Uh, we had a baby incident that <laughs> involved a lot of pee and, pee and poo. So... But yeah, it, otherwise, it was a blast. You know, we watched everything from the uh, buy-in all the way through it, so. Yeah, I thought um, overall this was a pretty damn good pay-per-view, and I think uh, the last three matches really held this show up, and then one which we'll get to later, which almost, if it wasn't so much crazy shit that happened in the Stadium Stampede match, I would say Jungle Boy and MJF stole the show. I mean... I was shocked how great that match was. Um, that was that was a pretty great match. Yeah, um, but let's kind of get get into it. The only match I did not see was in fact the buy-in. So uh, it was the best oh, okay. taking on Private Party, number one contendership for the tag team titles. Uh, what were your thoughts on that one? Uh, I liked it. I, I love the best friends. I love Private Party. Uh, we were kind of split decision in the house when we were watching it. Who we'd bet on? And I know. When you sent me your predictions, you went private party and I went best friends. I, I'm just a huge fan of the best friends. I think I think Trent and Chucky are a, a whole blast. I love Mark Quinn. Uh, the match itself was really good. They went back and forth a whole bunch. There was lots and lots of, uh, 
you know, where they would get Trent down to absolutely nothing. And then he would come back, Chucky would come in and save the day and, you know, vice versa. Um, I really enjoyed the match a whole lot. It was a lot of fun set up and I'm looking forward to watching the best friends fight against uh, Hangman and Kenny Omega. Do I think they can beat him? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a tall order to beat those two. And Mm -hmm. oh, there. yeah um okay so this brings us to the start of the the main show and it starts with the what's it called um casino ladder match casino ladder match yeah last year they had a battle royal this year ladder match and they kind of did it royal rumble style where every two minutes a new competitor uh would enter they started the match with kazarian taking on Scorpio Sky. Um, yeah. We were kind of chatting earlier before we went on mic, and not to drop names, but Kazarian was one of the guys that was training me when I was training to be a pro wrestler, and I would go to the house shows in this shitty garage in San Bernardino. <laughs> <laughs> he wrestled this guy named Skate Devil in a ladder match, uh, and there was a skateboard on the line. And, man, these guys beat the hell out of each other. Um, and to see him now on the big stage doing a ladder match like this is, is truly, it's uh, astonishing. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to believe, you know? It's gotta be surreal. Yeah, um, so they start out, they're, they're doing some good back and forth, and then Kip Sabian comes out with Jimmy Havoc. In a killer suit, in a killer suit. The, seriously, the white with the blood splatter, that yeah. was awesome. What do you think of the pairing of these two? It's kind of... Um, <laughs> I think they know, did it just because of region. They're yeah, both. like on paper, it doesn't seem like they go together, right? No, not really, because Kip, uh, you know, my wife and I joke that Kip is a gorgeous guy, right? Just mm -hmm. perfect shape, really good looking. Penelope Ford, stunning, great looking. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Page. He reminds me of Lobo from DC Universe. He's not really pretty. He's kind of tore up. You can tell he does all the deathmatch stuff, and he yeah. gets kind of down on that and... I don't know if he fits, but I kind of, you know, I like the pairing. I like, I like whenever they, I don't know, AEW is doing the whole trios thing, and Penelope Ford can hold her own against most people. So it makes you wonder if they got some trios titles, um, kind of in, in the, the in the chamber, yeah, ready to ready to be locked out or thrown out there sooner or later, because there is so many trios, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but Havoc comes in and he starts laying waste, throwing ladders against the dude's backs. And um, and then after that, I think we got Orange Cassidy. He, yes, was it Orange who was next? I would have to go through and look at it. I can remember a lot of different highlights from it. Orange comes in and takes like a full minute and 30 seconds and he goes over and he asks Excalibur what he's supposed to do. How are you supposed to win this match? Yeah, which was hilarious because, I mean, that's that's totally Orange's shtick, you know, is that... Gallagher tells him, Tony Schiavone's already told you this 200 times. <laughs> <laughs> so, the thing about Orange Cassidy is, like, um, in his match against uh, Pac, I thought mm -hmm. was fantastic. And yeah, it was. It, it damn near stole the show. If not, it, it, it really did steal the show. Um but, you know, uh, Luchasaurus comes in at one point and they have this spot with him and Orange Cassidy and then Marco Stunt comes out with a small ladder. I thought this spot kind of shit the bed. I, I thought it was too I much kind of in the middle of this. 
Uh, you know what, dude? Him coming in, bringing that small ladder, I I had a laugh. He was in there for a short short second. I mean, if, if Jimmy Havoc can be in there throwing stuff, messing with everything, because it's no DQ, and yeah. Luchasaurus is going to come in there and use Marco as some kind of comedy bit, or he's going to come in and you know do something, that's fine. It was short, it was simple, and it was funny. I got a laugh out of it. God knows Marco's fought every other big guy there, so... Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so then Joey Janela comes in and he does, holy shit, he, <laughs> he suicide dives left and right on everybody. He picks up, uh, I want to say Kazarian and he does a rolling DVD. Off that was Orange screen. Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. Onto the, um, the checkers, which was, which is on top of Brian Cage. Oh, oh yeah. So then. The mystery guy in this match is Brian Cage, which I had heard rumors that he was coming to AEW, but I thought he was injured and he wasn't going to be ready till next year. Yeah, because uh, he, he tore his bicep and then he huh? decided, uh, he kind of walked it back when people were talking about how he signed. Right. And uh, I wondered who it was going to be coming out. You obviously know that this is the match that Taz was going to be bringing somebody out because he got disrespected by Darby and so yeah. Taz took it personal. Now he's managing Brian Cage. And um, so you know there's going to be some kind of vendetta there and some kind of um, rivalry that builds between Darby and Brian Cage. How Darby's going to deal with that, I don't <laughs> know. He's, he's a madman. I, I think that guy would literally take on anybody. But as far as, um, you know, the person to coach him, I, I love Taz as a manager. And I think that Taz bringing in with Brian Cage, Brian Cage is, I mean, my kid lyric dude she was just like he's like a gorilla he's huge i mean he's he's massive and the exchange that he had with luchasaurus oh. i know you text me about it you're like that was perfect money so great it, it was so good going back and forth and when he picks up luchasaurus and throws him into the ladder in the corner i was just like flabbergasted because nobody manhandles somebody like luchasaurus like that. well not only that but these are two guys you figure luchasaurus is probably six seven you know 290 Brian Cage, probably 6'5", 290. And yeah. these guys were so agile and athletic and doing these flippy do's and shit like that, yeah. which I've seen Cage do and I've seen Luchasaurus do, but to see them have that exchange together was like- It was exciting. It was a sight to be seen, man. And then like you said, the power bomb into the corner on the ladder. Um, you know, another thing, Darby Allen is fucking insane. He that, is. He does that um, skateboard thing off the very top of the ladder, breaks Snapped the ladder. Snapped it in half. Yep. <laughs> you know, they tried to put Cage out of the match by um, putting the chips and uh, a bunch of uh, plunder on top of him, and they kind of weigh him down for a bit. Um, and then he's climbing the ladder at one point, and it's like every guy in the match is trying to pull him off. And they, I mean, they really put Brian over huge in this match. Orange Cassidy was riding his back. Yes. Which I thought would have been absolutely amazing if he grabbed that chip and pulled it off from Brian's back. We, we were laughing. My daughters were screaming. It, that was so funny. I thought they were going there for a minute. Um, I, but they made Cage look like an unstoppable monster. Um, so he wins the match. Um, I believe he's going to be taking on Moxley for the title at Fight for the Fall. Fighter Fest. Or, or Fighter yeah. Fest. There you go. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Right. Um, I'm surprised they're kind of pulling the trigger on that that quickly, but uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they get out of it, you know? Well, it, 
it'll be interesting because he he's kind of a different creature than uh, Brody is. But I'm sure we'll get to Brody in a minute. But if you look at the athleticism of Brian Cage and somebody like Moxley, they're kind of closer to each other as far as their, um, I don't know, their skill set. So I'll start with what I gave this ladder match. Um, I gave it three and a quarter stars. And the reason why I took some off is because I felt like there were a lot of spots that looked very choreographed. Um, too many spots of... This is one thing I can't stand in wrestling and I wish they would clean up. And it's really across the spectrum. When there's suicide dives or big moves, the guys are kind of waiting there too long to try to catch the dudes. You know what I mean? And I wish they would um, time that better, you know, because it seems like they're sitting there waiting too long and it, it kind of takes you out of the moment. The On the Tope Suicinas, uh, I legitimately think nobody's better at it than Darby Allen because he goes... He goes full force. And I mean, he doesn't care. Uh, you can watch the impact from yes. him uh, in comparison to other people. And you just go, I'm glad that's not me standing there. He's a little guy, but he really just sets up really well for those. And I agree with you on the Tokyo Suicinos just because you see them almost every match. Yeah. You know, they're done so much. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I would definitely give this match a four for me. Cool. I had a. I always have a blast watching matches like this where somebody comes in. I think the biggest disappointment for me in this match was Colt Cabana because he really didn't do much. No, he was there. He was in the background. I agree with you 100. percent Fantastic, Scorpio Kazarian, uh, really awesome, and I love when they both got on top of the ladder because I was sitting there the whole time going, oh, they're eventually going to have to duke it out. Mm -hmm. They both got at that ladder. They're both looking at each other and they both just started exchanging. That was so good. Orange was dynamite the whole time. Uh, Kip was really good. Um, yeah, Kip Sabian really showed me a lot in this match. Uh, he, he was outstanding. I think he got a lot of talent, and I think he'll work his way up at some point to have a good match. I think he's a good matchup against uh, Cody in general. Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily Mox. It's a different intensity. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next match was MJF taking on Jungle Boy, and as I alluded yep. to earlier, this was fantastic. Um, yeah. MJF is so good at being a heel, and that swarmy bastard, you just can't wait to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they start out both kind of showboating, doing some kip-ups, and Jungle Boy gets the advantage on him, and MJF takes the powder immediately, goes to the outside of the ring. Um, but goddamn, they had so many great moves in this, and they spent a lot of time um, with MJF getting the heat on Jungle Boy. That reverse Hurricane Rana on the side of the ring apron was insane. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my wife thought that MJF was dead at the end of it. <laughs> no doubt, she dude. She was like, holy crap, is he okay? And she, I mean, she likes MJF because he's, he's hilarious, you know. Um, but yeah. Hey, when they were having the slap battles back and forth, oh. I want to tell you, Jungle Boy had the edge on it. Jungle yeah. Boy's 
uh, he tore him up and like you watch MJF those slaps I was like ooh there's a part of his game he can work on because sure. he wasn't landing him nearly as bad you know he, he got tenderized by Jungle Boy with that Absolutely. and I, I think the most disappointing thing out of all of this uh, is the look of my daughter's face my oldest mm. she told me earlier she goes I'm just so upset just so shocked that Jungle Boy lost I'm just so sad that MJF won. I said, he won fair and square. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think the way they finished that match with kind of the, the roll-ups back and forth, and, you know, they kind of made it like MJF kind of got one on him. Um, it's still protected, mm-hmm. Jungle Boy. I don't think he loses anything on it. It's not like he got dominated. You know, he just kind of got caught. No. Well, Jungle Boy was Rookie of the Year for a reason. There you go. You know, he's an outstanding talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just he's a good solo competitor but I don't think he's done enough of it in AEW like MJF has MJF has always been the solo competitor and whenever he does tag team stuff right. he just ends up you know so I gave that match, uh, having... go ahead I'm sorry no job. you're good uh, I gave it four and a quarter I thought it was great um... I'll match you there with a four and a quarter I can agree with that yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think that uh, MJ... He goes, I don't know what a heel is, you know? It's just mm-hmm. I'm MJF, salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe, though, if he would have gotten the salt of the earth on Jungle Boy, he'd have been done with all that work that he did to his arm. Oh, I yeah, they did a good job of incorporating that. that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it Jungle Boy got the cross face, and he couldn't hold it because his arm had been worked on. Um it was from when he flipped him into the uh, ropes or into the corner there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next match is for the TNT uh, Championship. Mike Tyson is presenting the title. Uh, Cody beats Lance Archer. Um, yep. I this predicted match that. was fine. <laughs> but I don't know. It just it, – I don't feel like it lived up to the hype. What, what element of it didn't live up to the hype as far as how long it went, how much brutality there was? I mean... The, there was a lot of gaga. Well, first of all, I love how Lance Archer came to the ring by chokeslamming that chopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. I think that was Lee Johnson he brought out. Awesome. Um, he's, stuck, he's stuck with that hey, from New Japan, that. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he always did that in New Japan. He'd come out and punch somebody on the side. He's, yes. He's throwing out Sean Dean. He's throwing out Lee Johnson. Some of these uh, AEW guy, the dark guys. Who in New Japan, he would always brutalize the young boys who were like around the ring. Totally, just minding their own business. He slapped the camera out of people's hands. I love Lance Archer. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. You know, he, go ahead. You know what else he used to do in New Japan that you will not see anymore in this COVID world? What's that? He would take a drink of water and spit it on the fans. Yeah, you you can't do that right now. That would be- <laughs> You're not gonna see that. He could have done that to, done that to Cody and him been like, "I'm the victor," you know. But I hope he doesn't do that. But I um, think this match suffered from overbooking. Uh, they had a lot of Gaga in this, a lot of Jake Roberts, a lot of Arn Anderson interfering, um, and I don't feel like they had the chemistry I thought they would have. But it was a fine match. I didn't hate it. I just felt like with the heat and so much build that they had for this match. Um, it would have been a little more, uh, you know, maybe too this suffered from not having that crowd reaction. Well, I think ultimately for me, 
uh, as a big wrestling fan and watching over the years, I really hated the Lance Archer open with the blackout. I don't like when you open with your finisher. I mean, it gives them way too much time to recover, you know, because I worry about that. And the blackout is just, you know, an amazing, dominant, powerful move. Absolutely. And you can't open with that on somebody like Cody. Somebody older, yeah, I could see that, you know, kind of working them down that way. But starting with that was no good. Uh, the whole Jake the Snake and the Arn Anderson thing, I really like seeing Arn being the first one to interfere more so than Jake. I think that was a nice take on it. Uh, I certainly don't want to see them fight. I love watching old Jake the Snake highlights or Arn Anderson highlights. You know, I still no. I showed I show Karen some old photos of Arn Anderson. She was like, damn. I was like, I know. <laughs> the dude was a beast. You know, and Tyson sitting off on the side, that's fine. He didn't even need to be there. Tyson didn't need to be there, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I just think that they could have benefited from, I guess, focusing more on those two. Sure. I love I love the double crossroads, but you kind of look at the power of the crossroads whenever you're looking back at the story and how everything's gone. He's hit Sean Spears with the crossroads multiple times, and Sean yeah. Spears kicked out multiple times but Landon Sarcher's not going to yeah but ultimately story-wise I totally get it with Cody coming in and uh you know Lance Archer and Jake the Snake messing with Brandy beating up QT beating up Dustin just destroying them dismantling them um I just that's to me when you were you gave me your picks and I was like okay well I still think Cody's gonna win story-wise um, I felt like it kind of fit the mold of what they were looking for is sure. that Cody's rise. He'd lost everything, you know, MJF betrayed him. Everything had gone wrong. And so this is finally him getting hit. But yeah, they absolutely could have done that in a method that showcased uh, Archer and Cody a little more. Yeah. Um, that title too, we talked about it. And at first I text Ryan, I was, <laughs> that title is shit. Like it looks like a backyard brawling uh, but I guess the title is not finished because they couldn't get no. gold plating because of COVID. So, yeah. um, have you seen I, the pictures of it online with the gold, the uh, the facsimiles that they've done where they just photoshopped the gold on there? It looks no, I haven't way seen better. It. Yeah, I'll have to find one and send it to you. It looks okay. it looks way better. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I guess if I was going to rate this match, I'd probably give it a three point seven five. I, th- I give it a three. Uh, for the reasons I named, I didn't think it was a bad match. I just felt like, like you said, and I agree with you, they should have focused up a little more just on the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I Hopefully they can, you know, uh, recover whatever heat Archer had already built up to this point because he looked like an unstoppable monster. Um, I don't think it hurts him. Yeah, he's especially going to come out on Wednesday and, and get a dominant win over somebody. Oh, he'll hurt somebody. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, shout out to uh, Big Swole through this entire thing. She, she got She got in literally everybody's face. Mm-hmm. Her and Archer going at it cracked me up because, I, I don't know, I just, she's funny, man. She's tough, dude. She's scared of nobody. Uh, but really, with Lance Archer being big, it, they're bringing in more bigs. As yes. soon as Wardlow is off the leash of MJF, that is the only thing I hate. I hated Jake Hager, dude, until he started talking. Right. Once Jake Hager started talking, you're like, holy cow, this guy's got a personality. He's funny. Right. You know, all these big guys, they're going to have to eventually run into each other. And I'd love to see Archer go up against guys like Luchasaurus, Wardlow, 
you know, uh, Brody Lee, all these big, massive monsters, and just so the opportunity. Meat. What's that? Big meaty men slapping meat. That's that's right. That's the only way to do it. Personally, the um, bit, this guy from WWE, his name's uh, Big E, and he tweeted out. This is when, like, I think Brock Lesnar was fighting Drew McIntyre, so it's two big dudes. He said, that's what I'm talking about. Forget all this flippy stuff. I want to see big, meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> I, I, love, I love you, wrestlers, man. I've always been a fan. I've always been Undertaker, Kane. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next match was Chris Statlander taking on Penelope Ford. Um, this match was fine. Uh, it's just, it's tough when this is a substitution match. There's really no heat behind it. And it's kind of, it's just kind of a run-of-the-mill match. Um, not a lot going on. Statlander gets the win. You know what they should have done, man? They shouldn't have had Britt Baker come out and call this match. Sure. Yeah. Because that girl, that girl is fire. Anything she says is just outstanding. I was bummed that she got injured, but don't get me wrong. I love Penelope Ford. I love that she's kind of integrated her way in. Uh, I didn't. I, I initially picked Britt for this fight just because I think Britt's over, and I think that Statlander's on a little bit of a downslope. But Statlander's an absolute beast, and whenever she matched up against Nyla originally, she was sick. And so I feel like this is a kind of a way to bring her back in and build her back up. And Penelope Ford, like I, you know, like I said, I've, we've seen her fight all sorts of different people, and she's a talent. But I think having this match just kind of shift. I don't think Penelope had a chance to set things up, and so I, I you know, they're going to give the nod, to, or you know, Chris is going to go in there and do her thing. So Jim Ross, when he commentates for the women, is so awkward. Uh, I feel like he should say very little. <laughs> He's come around. He's come around because if we look at when we were growing up, he didn't talk like that. He's very respectful now, but he um, he fumbles a lot with it. Um, and unfor- you know, I I enjoy listening to him because I have five daughters and I think he is respectful. Mm-hmm. But I think he has moments where he wants to phase the <laughs> kind of back to that um but you know this is one match that i've already talked to karen i want to go back and watch today because we didn't really get to sit down and watch and i love Hmm. that he was trying to protect penelope with the crutches from chris that was great that was pretty hilarious coming out with the crutches and like just totally overselling the damage you took absolutely (laughs) <laughs> so he's, funny, dude. He's so good at that. And then Statlander speaking to Tope Suicinos whenever she crashed into both of them. Yeah. He just threw his crutches because he knew it wasn't going to end well if he held on to them. You know, uh, Statlander is very good. <laughs> it's amazing how good she is mm-hmm. right now, you know, and how much better she's going to be in a couple of years or so. Uh, okay, so this next match, a lot of people, based on what I've seen, thought this was the absolute shit match of the night. Um, and I tend to not disagree with that. And that's Dustin Rhodes beating Sean Spears. Uh, Spears. I have uh, I have comments for sure. He quotes the Joker from Batman '89. He goes, "Where's Dustin Rhodes? 
he's at home washing his tights. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dustin comes out from behind. He pulls his pants down and spanks him, which I don't want to see that shit, man. That should have been in the last match. Man, okay. I, I know you're in, in the middle of explaining this, but let me tell you once. Okay. I was a kid. You were a kid. Mm-hmm. If you go and you ask my daughters what match is their favorite, they love this match. They really? thought it was the funniest thing in the world. When Sean gets his underwear pulled down and he does the whole look on his face, like they were rolling and then he's getting spanked. And I, it's just hilarious, you know? He's, he's a funny heel. The whole SSN uh, News Network thing was great. I'd love to see him do it. I love the talking that he did about Dustin. Um, and you know, you know, Dustin's gonna come out and whip Sean. Did you see you know, the they, underwear he had you with Tully Blanchard? With, t- with Tully Blanchard, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, you know what? They didn't come out there to go. Let's showcase Dustin Rhodes' talent. Let's showcase Sean Spears' talent. Sure. They went out there and they said, "Let's have a fun match." Sean even said, "Well, I said it, so now it has to be on the card." You know, even even Aubrey's like, what are you talking about? And Sean's like, it's on the card. You have to call it. And he's like, well, you got to get your wins or you can get your wins. You know, he's sticking to this this funny thing with him. But they, I I do think they need to choose a way to go with him. Yeah. I think Sean needs to choose a way to go because for the longest time it was, I got to find the perfect partner. It's got to be the perfect partner. Totally Blanchard, perfect partner. Let's bring in these people. Okay. Right. And it's now in the solo but <laughs> challenging Dustin Rhodes he thought it was going to be an easy thing and Dustin's no punk mm-hmm. you know you know I love Dustin Rhodes mm-hmm. and I just you know it was a fun match for me and I think that more people need to realize that not all, a lot of these shows they're geared towards guys like us or you know people in our age range I get that but they're kids man they're, they're kids who watch this who laugh and will never forget that stuff and I did. I love, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, this is the first AEW show I watched with my older son, Austin. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, he's going to start watching Dynamite with me uh, weekly now. So Sweet. Yeah, we'll get him into the fold. And my son, Aaron, is not there yet, and Emma will never be there. But <laughs> Hey, man. Uh, whenever you were like, hey, you should watch AEW, it's coming out. Here I am now on a freaking podcast. Sure. You call me you call me a wrestling expert now. <laughs> I I was such a huge fan back in the days, and now that I'm here, my wife, she loves Jericho, dude. She's got a bubbly bunch t-shirt, bro. That is awesome. Like, it's it's there, and if anybody's going to help work on your woman, it'll be her. There you and go. She, she's like, I don't know why she doesn't like MJF. There's lots of Burberry. He's fancy. Uh, so I give that match a uh, uh, two stars. Um, whatever. I, you know what, dude? I'd give it a, I'd give it a three. You know, cool. it's it's cool. It's on the level. I enjoyed it. it. If it was any longer, I'd have a problem with it. It was short to the point. Done. Over. Made its point. It was funny. Kids loved it. So, uh, so next we had. Uh, Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose in a no disqualification match for the women's championship. Um, Great match. I thought it started out a little bit sloppy, but boy, did they finish strong. Um, 
you know, they go all over the place. They're slamming each other through tables. Um, Nyla took some stiff uh, kendo stick shots. Yep. You know, I thought uh, Hikaru showed some good strength, kind of uh, throwing Nyla around more than you would expect someone of that size. But they, they didn't oversell it, which I liked. Yeah. Um, you know, and another thing I want to say about Nyla Rose, um, when I first saw her a year ago, she was very green. Yep. Um, I thought she had a long ways to go, but she has improved so dramatically. Um, it's it's uh, it's night and day from a year ago. Um, and again, yeah, just... it's another woman in that division who I think has a lot more room to grow. And I, I can't wait to see where this product's going to be another year from now when a lot of these women have had more time to, to own their craft. But right. as far as Sheeta, I think, and I, we discussed this before, I think she has the biggest star potential right now out of all these women. I think Nyla does too, but on the other end of the, the heel monster role. Right. And she is like the, you know, uh, scrappy baby face. And I think this was a good time to put the belt on her. I, I was personally surprised uh, that Sheeta won. Because you watched that tag team I match from from Wednesday, yeah. and I was just like, I don't know how anybody's taking that belt from Nyla. Because like you've said, and I've seen it all over Twitter, you know, everyone on Twitter is just like, dude, Nyla is a different person than she was a year ago. Yes. She has improved so much. Her talent, her skill, her technical ability. Um, I mean, she's awesome, dude. She just... I love Nyla. I think that uh, she puts up with a lot of guff from Twitter. There are people sure. constantly getting blocked from everything. And I love her. I love Sheeta. Uh, I'm a huge Sheeta fan. And I love the knee strikes that they delivered. Mm -hmm. And I love that as you get towards that crescendo, towards that end of that match, yeah. it just intensifies. She was just like, I am not giving up. I am going to lay into her until she is like unconscious and build and build and build and build. And then she broke the kendo stick on her jaw. That was such an insane shot. And then she's just like, well, all right, well, now I'm going to go do, you know, drive another knee into her face. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked yeah. it a lot. And I think that, you know, having Sheeta as the champion it's going to have a lot of good matches. It's going to give Chris a place to go. Yeah. Uh, you you have a lot of these uh, women matches kind of building up, but I don't. I think Nyla will be back in there, man. Sure. She's just she's. You dominant. know, Sheeta too, with having the experience, um, she can carry a lot of these more unexperienced women to better matches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and she just she has this aura about her and the star power where I think she can kind of propel. Uh, the division forward, but I gave this match three and a half stars. And the only reason why I rated it a little bit lower um, is because I did think they started out a little sloppy and uh, it took a minute to kind of get their groove. But once they got there, it was fantastic. Um, and the false finishes were great in this match too. But uh, a tremendous job. One of the better women's matches I think we've seen um, from AEW to this point. Yeah, I think for me, I'd probably go... I'd probably go a four for this. I was originally going to stay the 3.75 just because my girl Nyla lost. <laughs> but that's bias and I can't do that. But four, you know, as a whole, because I really enjoyed the match. I did you know, too. I think, it, I think it was one of the better matches of the night. 
So I agree. Um, so the next one, we got John Moxley defeating Mr. Brody Lee in uh, AEW Championship match. Um, it's funny that this match was technically not no disqualification, but boy, you couldn't tell. Yeah, I was going to say, they let him get away with a lot. Uh, <laughs> they spent a lot of time on the outside beating the shit out of each other, and that pump handle slam into the railing, holy that crap. That was nuts, dude. And, okay, so not not to take over anything here, but for me, this was my favorite match. I, I really just, I, I love this fight. This reminds me of old school wrestling. It wasn't a an hour fight, and like the Hager Moxley fight, it was it was okay. Yeah. This was awesome because you look at Brody Lee, and this guy is massive. He's strong. He's powerful. You look at Moxley, and Mox is he is a technician, but the guy has more stamina than anybody aside from maybe Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. like. Those like I don't care what you hit him with, how much you drop him, what you throw him through, he's gonna get up and he's gonna keep coming through it. And like them leaping at each other, kicking each other, throwing each other through stuff. I think the only reason that it wasn't uh, the no DQ type of thing is because they weren't picking up the railing and hitting each other with it. They were throwing each other into it, you know. It's kind of like, oh well, that hap- that table happened to be there. The stairs happened to be there. Yeah. Backdrop. There was a backdrop through a table, but then Moxley picked something up when they got to the top top of the ramp and threw it at Brody Lee. And I was like, wait a minute, isn't that supposed to be a disqualification? You know. But um, kind of the 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 crux of this match at the end is they're on the railing. Moxley gives Brody Lee the uh, not the Death Rider, right? That's New Japan. That's what they call it, New right. Japan. Which is such a better name, but he gives it the paradigm paradigm shift yeah. through the ramp. They disappear. Uh, they come out. Brody Lee's wearing a crimson mask. Uh, they, you know, they get back in the ring. He gives him another um, paradigm shift. Brody Lee yep. kicks out of one, which I thought was one a on one. Move. Yeah, yeah. But then Moxley is just he's laying into him, hitting him with uh, elbows, punching him. He gives him another paradigm shift. Brody Lee kicks Which, out again. Yep. Um, and then he throws a sleeper on him, and Brody Lee passes out. I thought the finish of this match was fantastic. Yeah. I I don't think Brody's going to take this as a loss. I think whenever Brody gets an opportunity to talk, he's going to say, that was the ref's decision, not mine. I don't agree with that. You know. And, and honestly, I was so into that match when I was watching it. I, it didn't even occur to me, okay, this is the last match. Last match, stages have a tendency to break, things like that. Mm-hmm. And Mox, whenever he paradigm shifted him right into it, his head missed that stud by this much. Yeah, dude. And when he, they went down there, I was just going, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was killer. And then Brody, he reminded me so much of Undertaker. Just, it's, you know, not to talk about WWE, but have him knock down and then just that when like you said that kick out at one i mean he just threw him off and it kicked out again i mean the guy's tough as nails what do you think about his um his gimmick we haven't really talked too much about it but it's very vince mcmanisk <laughs> like he, he claims it has nothing to do with vince mcmahon that he has the most respect for him 
uh, as an employee who has been in other jobs who have bosses that I hated, oh, absolutely, you're going to take shots. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love the whole cult talking. And they're like, he's like, okay, 10, get on a knee. And then he yells at him because he's not sitting up enough. I love this character. I love this persona. I wish uh, Grayson and Evil Uno were a little more involved. And I don't know if they've been gone uh, due to the COVID or whatever, which is fair. Um, But I think that once Evil Uno is there, because I love Evil Uno. I follow him on Twitter and he cracks me up. He posted that he approves of Tifa's uh, or uh, of Sheeta's Tifa outfit, which cracked me up that Evil Uno said that at all. Um, I think he's great. And I think Stu Grayson's really talented. And I think when you get these three together with the creeps, because you remember, man, you asked me about Dark Order like months ago. And I was like, nah, the creeps are kind of dumb. Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's kind of, but they've really taken it and made it a lot better. I think Brody being the leader is fantastic. He's a terrifying dude, man. You know, the Dark Order first showed up at Double or Nothing last year and it was dead silent because if you're not the most hardcore wrestling fan, you have no idea who these guys are. And I knew who they were because I'm one you're of those a hardcore guys. wrestling fan. Yes. So I'm like, oh, that's Super Smash Brothers. And my buddy that was with me was like, who? Like, that's Super Smash Brothers. And, you know, but nobody knew who the fuck they were. And mm-hmm. I had seen Evil Uno's first match at PWG in uh, LA, and he, I thought he had one of the best matches of the night, which. If you know anything about PWG, a lot of these guys came from there, and it's all about work rate and 10,000 Canadian destroyers and suicide dives and, and shit like that. So um, for me, I thought he had one of the better matches of the night. But um, to get back to your point about the Dark Order, I think they've gotten better with Brody Lee at the helm. You know, a lot of people don't like Brody Lee's shtick, but it's working because he's getting heat. He's supposed to be a bad guy. You're not right. supposed to like him. And right. To that regard, it's working because that's that's what that's the reaction they're getting, you know. Um, Moxley's been great as a champion. I don't want to see him lose that belt anytime soon. I don't either. I, I think we've talked before, and you know, you think he's got the potential to be bigger than Steve Austin, and I think he's at mm-hmm. least close to that. And if not, right. you know, if once everything kind of gets back to normal and we the crowds come back and all that, he does have the potential to get there for sure right you know? so the next match <laughs> well well hold on hold oh. on we're not there yet you, oh, yeah. you haven't given ratings that's right and um yeah i just have to stay my boy moxley you know yeah. he's he's dominant he's dominant for everything that he is and i think that brody lee was a good challenge for him mm-hmm and I don't think that, because uh, I told you initially, I was like, okay, Moxley's got this one in the bag because whenever Brody fought Christopher Daniels, yeah. Brody looked worn out mm-hmm. and exasperated and just tired. And he looked that way at the end of this match too, but he looked like that at the very end after he tapped out and he was kind of coming back in. Yeah. You know, the cell was money. And well, it was so, good that he didn't tap out too. He passed out from the pain, right? Right. I think he looks stronger in the end than um, than actually tapping out because he didn't give Kill up. Kill those brain cells. Kill those brain cells. Brain Make cell. sure you get the cell. <laughs> I gave this match a four. Um, again, I, I, I think I had seen so much outside activity at this point because every match was doing it that it was kind of like, all right, you know, here we are again. This is kind of the same deal, but 
the finish cannot be denied. It was so great. The last yeah. five minutes of this match, um, it's fantastic. I'll go four five. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's it's almost impossible for me to give a five outside of like the Kenny Omega, you know, Moxley match or the uh, the tag match. And it, there's just, you know, it was really good. I totally enjoyed it. So yeah. I'll be going back and watching it again. Now, to your match that you you loved. I got 50 million text messages from you about this, the stadium stampede. <laughs> Well, the thing is, like, sometimes you watch this shit, like, when there's something like this, and you don't know how to feel, because it's in the middle of this empty football stadium. The Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders are there. The most exciting thing to ever happen in Jacksonville. Exactly. Uh, They have football entrances with jerseys, and first of all, the elite coming out to that terrible song versus Chris Jericho's Judas, <sighs> like night and day, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, they need to get Ruckus on that to do to do a, a hit for uh, for the elite. Yes, they do. So it starts out with both of them running towards each other like Braveheart, and they just start fighting, <laughs> and there's just shit going everywhere. The announcers like civil war together. They're laughing so hard. Um. And then Hangman Page does not show up at the beginning of this match. Why not? All of a sudden, here he comes with a horse, and he's chasing Sammy Guevara (laughs) into the the back. And uh, Sammy Guevara has, like, disappeared at this point. Um, Shit. What are some other things that happen in this? Well, his – I mean, can we just talk for a second about Sammy's cardio regimen? (laughs) All the things he runs from, dude. That guy is in an insane shape. Yes. Um, okay, so that happens. You have Jericho, who is fighting Nick Jackson, and he pins him, and he gets a two and a half count, and mm-hmm. then he calls for the review. He wants the replay, and him and Aubrey go, they go, go inside. Play the one, two, and then she puts her arm up, but he's like, this is bull. He said he was challenging the play. Yeah. <laughs> what else? I mean, what, what, he said he was challenging the play. What else do we have? You had the 100-yard uh, Northern Light suplex, suplex all the way across. And well, then, think, he, then he super kicks the ref. <laughs> One of my favorite things, too. So Hangman's walking through looking for Guevara. He sees something. He stops, leaves his horse there, and it's the bar. Right. Goes in there. Jake Hager finds him in there, and Hangman's drinking at the bar. And Hangman's like, did you come here to drink or did you come here to come fight? Come here to fight. Yep. Gives him a shot. They're having an old school Western barroom brawl. Hangman Page gets slid across the bar. It's like Roadhouse, was- bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Omega shows up and helps him kind of get the better of Hangman. Hanger, yeah. And then Hangman pours Omega a shot of milk. Omega pours Hangman a shot of whiskey. And they do a shot. And it was so funny, dude. Yeah. Uh, In that bar fight, whenever he hits him with a bottle, I really did have a moment going, was that a real bottle or was that a sugar glass? Because he, I mean, I was worried. (laughs) They must have hit him with 10 bottles, dude. Dude, I know. It was insane. (laughs) That was crazy. Uh, What else? I mean, I'm going to get to my boy, Matt Hardy. Obviously, it was Santana and Ortiz. That... That was just comedy gold. Every time they put him under the water, 
he would changed. see Matt Hardy transform into one of his older selves, and he's like thumbs up the camera and all this shit. <laughs> he's all, Ooh. It was. I like when he ties up. Um, well, first of all, he rings the bell on um, Ortiz's head. Yes. And Ortiz is like shaking. He's convulsing. He ties him to the chair, and he's like, "Okay, I want you to take one of these in the morning." Punches Funny. him in the face. And <laughs> That's the that's the chair of wheels. Yeah, and, and I halfway through when he's beating up Santana too, and Ortiz is like crawling his way there with one yes. leg. That was so funny that he put Santana in the freezer. I posted on Twitter because they never came back to it, and so Santana's possibly still in that freezer. Yes, and that whole that whole routine was so funny. And when they're watching Matt Hardy and he keeps changing, they put up that little border that he can breathe for 365 seconds or whatever it is. And Ortiz and Santana stop and look at it. And they're like, what? That's great, dude. It was just so funny. I love what he brings to AEW. You know, he's, I, I like the wrestlers who are, who don't take themselves, I guess that seriously sometimes. And Matt Hardy, he's a nut. He's always been a nut. And the whole Damascus angle is a lot of fun. I was half expecting Ryzen to show up from uh, his videos. And, you know, Vanguard has been reborn anew. Um, that was funny. And then Matt did really well for having a broken rib. How about that moonsault he did off the goalpost? Yeah, I knew it was happening. I saw the ladder, and I told I told my wife, I said, you know what? I said, you only get an opportunity to do, like, some something off of the – goalpost once yeah luckily tony khan you know with the jacksonville jaguars and stuff has that there and available and oh on matt hardy did you hear what he said about uh going in and replacing it all all the pools with the water of uh of uh what is it the rebirth lake of reincarnation lake of reincarnation he's like i filled it and i'm glad he didn't fill it with rebirth that'd be weird (laughs) no never mind i'm gonna stop um but it was so funny to me because I don't know, man, my, my kids love Matt Hardy. Electra, my four year old runs around the house, delete, delete. And Nolan gets there into it. Little one year old, just flailing her arms out. Cracks me um, up, man. Nick Jackson too, doing that splash off of the, the seating down on top to Jericho was insane. Um, Hangman coming out doing the line over him. Yeah. Awesome, dude. <laughs> and then the finish of the match they chase Sammy down with the golf cart again. They've yes. kind of got him cornered. And Kenny Omega does a one-winged angel. This had to be a 20-foot drop. Easy. To Sammy Guevara through this platform. Gets the pin. The elite wins, which was definitely the right call. Um, you know, I think this – like, it's hard to rate a match like this, but I'm going to go four. I think I, let me make sure I did that right. I think I did four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. There was a lot of uh, silliness that at times I was like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> so cheesy. But at the same time, it was fucking entertaining. And it's, it was fun. It was so yeah, it was- fun, dude. And my son was cracking up the whole time with me. We were both laughing hysterically. And um, I think they nailed it, dude. Yeah, I would go four, two, five here. And, and I just have to say, you know, this – element is really funny it's obviously uh a lot more scripted than what you would normally do in a ring yeah. you know yeah. less improvisation and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but 
it was fun. You cannot deny that that was so much fun. And Santana and Ortiz should have their own TV show. I would watch it. <laughs> they they crack me up. They feed really well off of each other. When Santana's in the pool, he's like, what are you doing? Get in here. He's like, I can't swim. He's like, quit being a pentejo, you know? Get yeah, in here. He great. calls him in. <laughs> and just, they're so funny, man. And anybody who says that Sammy Guevara is not going to be a champion in a few years is out of their mind. Oh, that yeah. Kid is, that kid is... Jericho worked that kid up for a reason. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that about does it for Double or Nothing. I thought it was a success. Um, it's hard to pull off a show like this in the circumstances we're in, and I thought they mm-hmm. nailed it. Oh, I do too. I enjoyed it a lot, and I think Wednesday's got a lot to bring. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be an AEW Dark. You never know after a pay-per-view. Yes. But... <laughs> I'm interested to know what's going to happen because they're bringing in Mike Tyson again. And again, uh, I mean, Mike is terrifying as he is himself, but should he be in the promotion itself? I don't know. If it brings love to AEW, I'm all for it. But um, yeah, it was a good show. I had a lot of fun and I'm very interested to see how they stitch up some of these uh, stories. Go ahead and plug your book one more time. Oh, well, uh, before that, you can find me at uh, The Ryan Factor on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, My book is called Constant Gray. It is sci-fi fantasy, post-apocalyptic, all that fun stuff. It's going to be part of an ongoing trilogy, uh, and you can find it online at Amazon.com. And please check it out. It's Constant Gray, G-R-A-Y. Excellent. Well, Ryan... uh This was a lot of fun, and hopefully we can do this on the next show for sure. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I didn't know what to expect, and hopefully I wasn't awful. (laughs) Nope. Great. Great job, dude. Thank you. All right, man.